Welcome to the Opera Biz Podcast, where we sit down with industry professionals to talk about how the Opera Biz really works. I'm your host, Daniel Welch. Today, we're talking with baritone Will Liverman about Fire Shot Up in My Bones, its cultural significance in the world of opera, developing a role based on a living person, and creating opportunity in the industry. We'll dive right in. Uh, thanks so much for joining uh, us on the Opera Biz Podcast today. Um, Will Liverman, ladies and gentlemen. How you guys doing? We got to dive into Fire Shot Up My Bones. Um, so I, I've mentioned to you, some other people know, I was at the dress rehearsal, totally blown away. Um, mm. I mean, it's rare that a, a dress rehearsal feels like such a dynamic performance as that one did. And um, mm-hmm. which just, I mean, I wish I could have seen one of the other actual shows, um, mm-hmm. but was so so blessed to actually see the the uh, dress rehearsal, which was phenomenal. So I'd mm-hmm. love to chat a little bit um, about that today. Um, yeah. So right off the bat, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about the significance of this particular show and what separates it from other shows we've been seeing on the operatic stage, specifically on the Met stage? You know, why is this mm-hmm. so poignant right now? Yeah, I mean, I look back just to the the pan- the combination of the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd and how that whole thing sort of sparked a lot of things in our classical industry and bringing up questions mm-hmm. um that of course have been long overdue of you know inclusion diversity how do we change this art form for the better and make it something for everybody mm-hmm. um and the significance with this piece you know i think you know it was decided soon after that you know the met had this scheduled for a later season but they decided to move it up um and have it be the thing to open the met season um kind of as a stance toward you know we're you know going to not only just make a statement but like back it up and like really put this, yeah. these stories forward that should have been put forward of course a long time ago but you know this led to having our first black composer at the metropolitan opera yeah um and you mix that with the pandemic shutdown and the met being shut down for 18 19 months or whatever and this is like the first thing that people are seeing you know coming out of the pandemic and coming out of like you know all these talks and discussions we've had on how we can you know be the change and make the change um and not and just also paired with the fact that we're telling a story about a living and breathing person a successful black man who has gone through something horrific and a and Amer- it's not just a black story it's an american story mm-hmm. so a lot of people have this story of abuse and it's always something that is you know people are too afraid to talk about or too you know they've never had that space in their home to to really cope with you know something that may have happened to them or they've been you know something they want to shut down and this is a story that tells that and puts that on display and you know you combine all of those things together it's just like a you know explosion of i mean it it is just it was just crazy the response um of like these things coming together and you know fire shot my boat and the fact that it was already premiered another place at st louis you have to give them their props definitely for yep you know telling this story and i think one of the rare things that happened with this that you don't really see a lot at least i know of with new opera is allowing a piece to develop after it's already been open and i feel like a lot of times where you know the, the piece just stands on its own and there's like no changes made after it. it's just like all right i wash my hands with this and you move on to the next thing 
and sometimes it maybe has to be like that but you know if they're you know i feel like fire started one place and then you know it was a chamber size piece and kind of like grew into this grand opera you know terrence added things to the music you know we we're still tweaking things and just making it our own and like you know it's great to see a new work go from one place and all of us you know just be expanded into what it became and um i you know that's the beauty of having living and breathing collaborators yeah the collaboration yeah you know is really something that can be um or able to really make that happen so yeah it's not like you can you know collaborate with mozart on on the, <laughs> right <laughs> on flute right, right. you know <laughs> like dude so what were you yeah. thinking here what do we want to tweak here exactly <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's so wild because I've had uh, friends for for months. The moment that you went up on billboards around the city, you know, I've, I've had yeah. friends snapping pictures and sending it to me. They're like, "Do you know this guy? What's going on with the show? <laughs> I need to know all this stuff about it." Um, it's been so awesome to see uh, the Met really back the marketing with mm -hmm. everything else um, this year. But yeah, but you know, to to see <laughs> to see your face on the billboards across New York and on buses and everything has just been. Has been so awesome, and every time I wow. see every time I see one of those ads up there with your face on it, I just smile because it's. I, I I allow me to gush just briefly uh, <laughs> because um, whenever I work with with emerging artists and younger artists, particularly in a uh, a training program kind of setting, and we talk yeah. about how to act in the industry and how to work um, and how to work with other people, um, you are hands down the first person I talk about. Oh, wow. um, I really I am because I'm always like, you know, if you want to look at somebody to emulate in the industry and you want to learn how to how to be a working professional at a top tier, but still be an accessible human being with integrity, look at Will Liverman. And oh, uh, wow. legitimately, yeah. dude, uh, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for yeah. both where you're at in the business as well as your talent and how you handle um, just mm -hmm. working amongst a lot of people in a bunch of different genres as well as, you know, yeah. this uh, this fame that just accelerated really really fast um mm -hmm. you know it's serious respect and props to you for for how you how you wow. work in the business so well done wow. my friend um, i appreciate I really, that man yeah absolutely yeah, that means a lot yeah, yeah. uh you talked mm -hmm. to me a little bit about you know how you talked about personalizing the piece a little bit um yeah for there are a lot of people i always tell younger singers i'm like if you get the chance to work with composers work on new mm -hmm. music collaborate because you're not going to find that dynamic in you know our old classical canon right um how how were things personalized as you went along how were things tweaked were they done in private yeah. in the rehearsal space like how did that come up how did you do those changes yeah for for this i mean for this process it was a little different I mean, it was slower because it, you know we were coming i was coming into this sort of you know the i got the score you know it was, or the part was originally written for more of a bass baritone yeah. and I'm a, you know, higher baritone. And, um, I had one, there was a few sessions where Terrence came out cause I was singing at, uh, opera theater St. Louis just this past summer. And, um, he knew that I was singing the part. And, um, so I sang for him, like some of my basic arias. And then we went through the score and kind of just went through a few things and we tweaked like maybe, you know, they're like few lines here there like you like took up a fist um but that was it and then you know i learned the score as it was but by the time we got to the rehearsal space things were still continuing to change you know as we started doing the staging then even going into the house so it was like very gradual like um and i would say like even during the run i started changing <laughs> some notes 
um, and things to make them even higher to fit my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, once I got familiarized with the role, like beginning to end. So like the collaboration, I would say was just great throughout all of that because we were, as we were learning the piece and as it was like, you know, we're switching from the rehearsal dynamic to all, all of a sudden on stage, you know, like things were continuing to develop as we were going along with the piece. So yeah, as, as you said, it's highly, it's one of the best things that can happen when you have a living and breathing composer um, that can work with the singers and be open to making changes that's going to just serve the piece at the end yeah. of the day because we're the front-facing artists. Um, so, I mean, it even took me a little bit to get comfortable with, like, asking to make a change or something, <laughs> you know? Because it's just yep. like, as I want to pay respects to, like, what's written and make it work. Totally. And if it's if it's sounding, it's working great, but, like, you know, if you have opportunities, like, oh, what if it went in this direction or that direction? Then, you know, try it because the composer's right there. And if it's something that's going to work out, like, great, you know. And throughout the course of the run, I think we all learned that, like, Latanya was trying some higher things and her arias and stuff that, yeah. like, and it was, like, always great for all of us because we never knew if someone was going to throw in something new, you know, like, and, like, try a new thing. You know, Angel has her big moment um for the first peculiar grace and she kind of like makes that her own flavor with the, with the gospel that she adds to it so like yeah that's the beauty with terrence's music it's accessible enough for us to be able to put our own feel in it and it has that feel of, of jazz and gospel and music that we grew up with so when you have music that's that you just know and can feel you feel comfortable to put your own thing in it or like what if we went this direction with it or i'm hearing this and then like we find it together that way. Yeah. yeah. The, the other great thing too, is that because it, while it, it, it did have a premiere elsewhere, <clears throat> it's young in the performance arc of the piece. So things yeah. that you do can be standardized and yeah, you know, right, what people, right. other people do after you perform this role, when other people come in and do the role um, yeah. or it's performed elsewhere, you know, they can be like, mm. Oh, well, we'll do this. And you know, this, <laughs> this kind of became standardized in this piece. And you know, that's really awesome. Um, yeah right, right. That's, that's one of those that's other things you don't think about, about as yeah. a singer like oh <laughs> right i can set how this works in perpetuity that's pretty wild <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man and you know one of the things that you talked about uh before and as well as in person um you know you you got to play a real person a real human being that's you know right what was that like one of the things we all we you know in, in Broadway and Hollywood, we talk about role prep a lot. And I feel yeah. like it's not discussed very regularly in the opera world. The the, the acting no. and the character part tends to kind of fall right. by the wayside sometimes. Um, but this right. is a very different piece in that regard because right. you're you know, it's based on a memoir. So you're right. you're going from something real and tangible and recent. Um yeah. you know. What was that process like of prepping that role? Uh, yeah, it was a lot to dive into knowing that he's very much well alive and he has his memoir out. Um, so it's just like, what other, how far, you know, else do you have to go? Normally you got to go like go to Wikipedia, go like way back or like find <laughs> research on like, who the heck is this German character from, you know, like this is someone that's very much alive. So starting with the memoir and going through that, um, but then realizing that the memoir tells a story but then the opera is very much its own thing in a way because it's we're just giving bits and pieces of the story and also you know it's like you're creating something with the team of people so you come in with your ideas and they have their ideas you can kind of collaborate that way 
but the work beforehand for me, you know, um, was just the, once I got familiar with the story was just attacking the music and stuff, you know, doing the words first and getting a feel for like what the, what's being said, you know, um, and then adding on the rhythms and then the notes. So then, you know, when I have the whole thing, I have, you know, pretty much everything I need. But really though, I always think that something's never really, really memorized. I mean, you can do all the prep you want on a role that you've never done before. It's <laughs> one, the moment you get on stage and they say, hey, move like two feet left and you've forgotten like all the work, you know, like <laughs> it's really like getting something in your body for it to, for a character to really, you know, get there. And sometimes you don't even get there by, I mean, opening could be one level, but then, you know, the Charles that I was doing for opening is like, it's different from what I, where I ended, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, you know, this whole character study is a long journey and it never just stops once you put the costume on. You're like, oh, I'm, you know, it's just like, it's always, it can always grow and like you find new things with it. Um, but specifically having a living person in the audience was terrifying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> on a lot of lo- I mean, like, it's, it's like two great things. I mean, like, well, I mean, two different things, but like the one thing, I mean, it's so empowering in a way. I mean, it, I mean, just to know that people are watching this opera about something that's happened to this person's life and he goes through so much, but then there's a other side to that. And he's like a living, breathing testament to like overcoming something. Mm-hmm. Like you see the Charles blow on that goes through all this stuff, like cursing and ready to do all this stuff. And then, if you had no idea that happened, you would have like, you look at the Charles blow today. Like I had no idea he went through those things that he went through Yeah, and all the successes that he's gone on to have. That's a quite an, an incredible Testament, like all together. But of course the actor side of you is like sitting there thinking, am I anywhere near on the mark <laughs> of telling this man's story, you know, but he seemed like all smiles after opening and his, his children were there, you know, it's just like, a wild thing to have like his son come up to me and I mean he was really um he had great things to say was really nice and was like he was like yeah you really captured you know some of you know like some of the things that my dad went through and I was there to witness you know like it's just like wow that's awesome unheard of like talk about (laughs) like you know the uh the character's son that's like currently talking to you at opening night like it's just it was wild yeah did you get a chance to uh, talk to him beforehand while you were learning the role at all? Did you converse at all with him? Yeah, we talked for a second. He uh, came in for a photo shoot with a New Yorker. Yeah. And we, we had that. So that was my first time meeting him. And it was very brief. I saw the yeah. images and I wasn't sure if like you actually got to like, if it, cause sometimes, I mean, photo, I yeah. it's a way that shoots that kind of stuff. Like sometimes it's hit it and quit it and it's really fast and you move on. Yep. And sometimes like you get to chill. And, right, uh, right. It was pretty quick. It was like, yeah. Um, so I didn't want to get all deep and be like, Hey, let's grab a car. You know, it was like, yeah, he had just flown in from Atlanta. So it's just like, happy to meet you. You know, I, we was like light conversation. It was very nice, very opening or, you know, welcoming guy. Um, and yeah, it was just like kind of a quick meet and greet. And then we jumped immediately into this photo session. As soon as it was done, he was back off, you know, out to, yeah. Um, and then the second time I met him was I had this event for, um, oh gosh, I did the Guggenheim and he mm-hmm. had, he did a talk back with Jim Robinson and Terrence Blanchard, um, about the piece and his story. Um, and that was my first time singing 
with him there, which was its own thing too. He was just like yeah. right there. And I'm, <laughs> you know, singing two pieces about this man's life and I've, and there he is, you know, and then the last time was an opening and, um, yeah, it was an, it's just, like I said, so many different things about this story. That's so special. Like it being on the Met stage, being one of the, you know, vis- most probably the most visible stage, you know, and telling this story, all these different elements, like from, you know, we're talking about living, breathing person to Terrence's journey and being the first black composer and Camille Brown, like who's making history herself. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's incredible. What were, what were some of the, um, the distinct challenges about working on this piece and maybe a couple of the highlights of working on the piece? For me, I mean, first thing is just with how emotional the piece is, it's like that fine line of telling the story um and having real emotions and being like really in it with your colleagues but also protecting yourself mentally and vocally mm-hmm. and i found that i found that to be a challenge like i mean yeah like the, when i was first trying out this opera and like we're rehearsing it i would do the first aria and my voice would just be so tired by the end and i was like i gotta find some sort of middle ground of like you know this piece makes you want to easily press because like when you feel anger, I mean, it's just like an easy thing to just like, <clears throat> like muscle it and get very intense with it. But of course, on that stage, it's not going to do much good, you know, and right. you can't fight against um, an orchestra that size. And you just have to remember to just ease up and like keep the freedom in the body, but also the intensity. So that was one of the hardest things for me is like learning how to sing this role healthily with all of the very intense emotions that make you want to tense your body up um, and the music is intuitive enough to throw you into that emotional place right know? yeah yeah which is you know you listen to some stuff and you're like wow this is happy music but the music the, but the text is like is brutal <laughs> you know right? yeah, but this exactly. is he's this is not the case with with uh with fire you know it's it, yeah. it it's it's often very cinematic in that way that it sets the tone and so right. I, could, I could see how it'd be really easy to just dive yeah. right into the emotions there and and kind of lock up right but yeah but then but on the flip side i mean he wrote terrence writes some really beautiful melody melodies mm-hmm. so like getting out of those pockets of the anger and stuff like he really uh sets the voice up well um and some of those in those tender moments with the duet mm-hmm. with angel and i and um you know golden buttons another one yeah where i just feel that flexibility with what he's giving with the music and the way Casey sets it. I mean, it's crazy. It's her first libretto um, that she has written. That's Um, awesome. And like the raw motion, it's like poetic, but so raw and real. Yeah. How she says those words. And so like, it's extremely accessible text. Exactly. Yeah. But it's not simple. It's not, you know, like it's like very, it's simple, but yet like the, just, just it's everything is just rooted. in. I mean, so, gravitas i don't know it's like the, yeah. the gravity in it um um but yeah like you said super accessible and people like you can listen to i mean it's like watching a movie you know like i don't know yeah um but um yeah that i mean that for that for me going back to your question was the main challenge i would say yeah um yeah what were some of the the highlights that stood out whether they were moments in the production or the process or well, like the, what jumps out at you is like 
a couple of the really fond memories that when you look back at this production, they're just going to are right there. You know, another thing about this piece, when going back to your very first question of why it's so important, is that this, for me, I mean, I've there's, there are a lot of um, newer works that I haven't seen yet myself. I can only speak to what I've seen, but from my experience going into a piece like Fire, this for me is the first time where I've seen like real authentic blackness on stage. Mm. And you notice the moments where we really get that are the moments where the crowd is the most emotional. Yeah. The moments where they're really, you look at the church scene mm -hmm. and that, you know, the dance and that, like the, the church choir, that's like, those are my roots. Like I remember being baptized. I remember just that the smell of the pews and like that whole vibe. And so that is a highlight. Like I've never been in an opera where I just feel so much of myself in it. And like having lived through some of that being mm -hmm. a black man growing up in the South. And then this, the thing that gets the most applause is funny enough, has no music. It's the step. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you see like authentic blackness on stage in the step scene. Yeah. That's just its own story. It has so much power yep. and depth in it. Like just with the, how Camille set that, like people go in every, even the, I mean, even a crowd that's like going to, you could tell how a crowd's going to be, mm -hmm. you know, based off of the first, whatever this laugh is supposed to be, or it's like, ha ha ha, or like, <laughs> right. like then you know, it's going to be like, okay. But when they get to that step scene, everybody, you know, like, yeah, hands down. And I, that's like one of my favorite moments, like those two moments, you know, like just, I, we're all on the sidelines, just like, the ones of us like not on stage are just like, you know, cheering them on. Like, like we're watching it for the first time. Like when, you know, that's the thing, the things that blow my mind about this show is just like seeing authentic blackness that's different from Porgy and Bess. You know, that's its yes. own story, its own thing. Mm -hmm. That's what makes fire different. You know, it's like things that we're currently living, our parents have lived through and like the authentic blackness that like we've lived, you know? Yeah. I, it, it was, I was, I was, surprised by the step scene but but loved it it was one of those things that i never expected to see on the met stage um, yeah, yeah but it was it's such a powerful scene but there's such a a, a cultural significance in step yeah um mm -hmm. that it was really i mean it was a, it was a perfect addition yeah. to it and much like many of the classic canon you'd have a dance sequence or a ballet or something having it in there fits you know the the template of opera form as we often know it anyway um right, and right. so it like it it just it fits so well and honestly it was great because i could tell i mean the the dress rehearsal was packed out but there were so many people that have never that were in the audience who have no idea what it mm -hmm. what, what it is where it comes from any of that kind of thing so it was it was a great in my mind cultural crossover to put right. in an opera and worked perfectly and it was also yeah. a really good um a really good segue into where your character was at that time as well. You know, where he was exactly. in his journey was a, was yeah. a, um, a phenomenal segue into the, the college life and kind of what that experience was like. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. That's incredible. You know, that's, and I mean, that's one of the things that Terrence always says too, about a story like fire. And another reason why it's so important is like with the visibility with this piece, like all the significance of, you know, we have first, black composer on the stage you know we want to see more of them there's so many stories that haven't been told yet. Mm -hmm. so much uh, or so many 
different, you know, authentic cultures that I would love to see on that stage as well. And fire, I hope, is just, you know, the beginning um, of more to come, you know, yeah. for for other composers with stories, for other librettists, and um, yeah. I'm hoping that it shows, uh, you know, the the argument that has lasted for far too long in opera is that there's, well, there's not just, there's just not, the music isn't there, or the singers right. aren't there for it. And, you know, right, right, right. to all that, we clearly now throw this in their face and say, bullshit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here this is, right. obviously, uh, not only does it yeah. work, but it works well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the people are there, the music is there. We should have been doing this all along. And uh, right. so I'm, right, I'm really, right. I'm, I'm stoked by how um, positive the response has been to the show in general mm -hmm. and to you guys. The cast has been, um, the cast blew me away. It just, it clicked mm -hmm. in place so tightly um yeah, yeah you know you get in some shows you get the like one percent two percent and they're like well, what are they doing on the stage you know like yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite click or like uh -huh. every like most of the cast clicks and then one person just kind of like the odd one out and i didn't right. feel that at all it felt it felt so tightly like an ensemble piece um yeah. that the between the stories intertwining and um the way the, vo the yeah. vocals mixed um was was really really positive um across the board Absolutely. and I didn't, I didn't feel like there was anything that was uh lacking in that regard which was you know another That's really good, good plus to that yeah 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 no i mean working with i mean angel Latanya and walter i mean it's really like you said such an ensemble piece i mean walter i mean so that guy's incredible like talk about the most prepared person like i don't really think he just, <laughs> I don't think he like throughout from the first rehearsal to the last show missed a single entrance ever. That's awesome. Like he was killer, man. I mean, he was just, yeah. it was an exceptional performance for him. Um, yeah, yeah. It really was. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome to hear that. He's just like on the ball, yeah. man. On the ball. <laughs> Most experienced out of all of us, like has been there before was not nervous in opening at all. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. He's been around the block, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like, I mean, I literally said, as I put in my car, I was like, don't forget us here. Yeah. <laughs> like, as, as opera singers, they're like, don't you dare. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's um, definitely going on to some big things, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then Angel, you know, like, everything that she brought to her three roles and embodying them so gracefully and, like, just, you know, every single scene. It's hard not to watch her because we're not supposed to see her, but, like, right. she, everything that she gives really, you know adds to what I'm doing and like really, you know, I felt like we're always a team in that way because mm -hmm. we're always, you know, close by one another and like feel just feeling that energy with her. And then I like having our like actual scene in the, in the last parts of the opera. And of course, Latanya, I mean, I've always thought of this as like, you know, you get Billy's like act one and yep. Charles is more act two, Yeah, you know, and her story is just as important to see like the relationship between Charles and his mom and like her journey. And, you know, I think it's just told so beautifully and it's very much an ensemble piece and like the supporting characters in that are great. Um, you know, Chauncey is amazing as Spinner and, and Ryan Spiegel Green. We went to high school together. Yeah, um, that that's right. Time, yeah. Since Utah, I think that was, but I was our first time singing on the Met stage together, which is significant because we both went to the same high school. Right. Um, and we both, watch governor's school or watch the met as high school kids at you know governor's school so yeah. like it was like a kind of an out-of-body thing when i first see him and he's like doing the thing as uncle paul 
and I had a moment of like, we made it. It's like, you know, it's just like I almost like, oh, I had to catch myself. It was like, how rare is that? You know, just, you know, two black teenagers who started to sing opera and all end up in leading roles in the Met stage where we once saw Denise Grace before, you know, like, um, so there are like little, a lot of little things in there for me too. But all that to say, I mean, the, the cast was amazing, you know, yeah. and that was another, I mean, just to add to the things with this piece, like to sing around and be around so much black excellence, excellence and black voices. Um, and everybody just did so well. I mean, it was just incredible experience. Everyone had a great attitude, you know, like we all walked in with the purpose to mm -hmm. do this show good for Terrence, you know, yeah. like and to really just, you know, we have this platform and we're going to say something with it, you know? Yeah. You're doing it again in Chicago, uh, March and April. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And do it nice. there. I, know, I know a bunch of people that are in the Midwest that wanted to come out for it, but couldn't get to yeah. New York for it. So that'll be nice. Yeah. They'll see have it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't do, I hate to say just opera because opera is, you know, a pretty epic <laughs> thing. Um, but you, you do a fair amount of, of other music and stuff. What else do you have going on right now? Um, I mean, cause it's easy to find your opera schedule, but what else are you working on? Yeah. That's, that's not operatic. Some passion projects you're working on or i mean you did an album last year um yeah album last year um i got i could talk a little bit about this thing for the first time it's nothing set in stone yet but it's gonna be another album um that's still like very much far out but what's the d records that it's gonna feature american female artists excellent um and we got a few new commissions happening with that. A lot of great collaborator collaborators that I can't that I can't wait to um, talk about. And I will say my mom's on it. Awesome. We've always, we've always wanted to sing together, and um, she's a gospel singer. Have you done any performing together in the past? Nope. Nope. Yeah. This will be the first. Everyone time. has always been like, yeah. Everyone has always said like, you should do it, do it with your mom one day, and so like. So I was like, okay, doing this album, I gotta feature my mom. So I, I will say she'll be on there. We'll be singing together. Yeah. Uh, you know, out of curiosity, you know, this is one of those things that because I was a crossover musician for for a really long time back when I was performing regularly, I feel different um, different gratification, different satisfying things, and different ways from different genres that I played. Um, you know, mm -hmm. like opera fed me in one way. And, um, when I was either producing or performing like folk mm. Americana or rock, like that did something else for me, um, yeah. or jazz kind of fed me in a different way. You know, what do you, what do you get out of the different genres that you, that you work on, that you play with? Yeah. For me, it's gospel. That was my roots, you know? So that's mm -hmm. where I got started in music, um, on the piano. I got, I got it right here. Sitting um, in front of the keyboard, I like it. <laughs> yeah, right. Always, always, you know. Gospel music is like, that's it for me. And that always brings an emotion of, I don't know, like a calmness. That's just like no other genre can do because you have those songs you grew up with that, are, mm. you know, that you drew on for when you're going through something or when, you know, I don't know, just for whatever reason, for whatever emotional thing that you attach it to. And for me, gospel music has always been that, like, if I'm feeling like really stressed out, it's like nothing like that. Those gospel songs that, that just hit different, you know, as the young folks say. Feel a little different. bit like home. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and different genres do. I mean, like, R&B puts me in the groove, you know? Like, you know, good bass, good, you know, steel guitar, some vocals. Like, um, I've got my R&B playlist, and that's, you know, just for the good vibes. And nothing gets you hyped like hip-hop for me, you know? Yeah. Like, I got my playlist, my running playlist. You know, R.I.P. D.M.X. He's always on there. You yeah, know, my favorite. You know, love some Eminem. I love some uh, Kendrick Lamar. Um, I feel like I have a lot more West Coast rappers that I'm fans of. The East. Coast. Oh, I don't want to get into all that. Ooh, that's dangerous territory. Edit that out. I don't want anyone coming after me. Um, it's right down the middle. I was going to say, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Mos Def and Talib Kweli recently, so like... (laughs) On the East Coast Uh, side. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I guess it varies. It depends. I mean, I respect... If you're a great artist, it doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, there's ATL. Come on, Outkast. Lil John. You know, but like, yeah, to answer your question, there's different genres just pull, you know, whatever vibe you want, like, in its own way that, you know, that as those genres do whatever it is for you but that's for me that's you know i always have different things that i go to so um, when you sit down and you just like kind of veg out with music for you whether it's playing singing or listening does it tend you tend yeah. to air towards the gospel and r&b a little bit yeah yeah if i'm yeah. playing r&b and gospel it takes sort of brings out the same vibes you know yeah um and and i need those genres to help balance out the you know all of the classical stuff mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm um that really helps keep you know at least for me keeps me balanced as a musician and you know in some ways some genres inform other genres you know you grab you can pull on things from yes gospel and r&b and take it into the opera world and vice versa you know um one of one of my uh one of my friends and one of my artists on my roster uh kelly she talks about how when she is singing certain verity stuff like she's like i can't not channel mariah here like you know like there's just like there's certain vibes (laughs) that just come through and that's spot on there's there's no reason that um one genre can't feed another genre can't inspire parts of a performance in a different genre i mean that it can absolutely go both ways right right one of the favorite uh one of my favorite artists um uh, jacob collier yeah yeah um he talks about just genre in general and like how he just hates that word because it just puts music into these categories yep. as if it can't delve and as if like other genres are influenced by other genres you know like so in, in a way like for you know getting all heady with it like everything is music and you know they all have same 88 keys you know like mm-hmm. but um so it's an interesting if i were to write a doctorate it would be about like genres and how like things get defined as such and like a rhythm thing you know gospel we clap on two and four country is one and three you know yep. like those those things right there you know? yeah i was just watching uh i think it was on netflix i think it's on netflix uh uh miles davis documentary yeah and you know how he miles went to juilliard when a lot of times people were saying that like if you went and were a trained jazz musician that it would take the soul out of the music and he's like, mm. no, no, I want to find other things to bring to the music, what I do, mm. you know. So he was looking at the education yeah. from the the somewhat classical and modern education he was getting at Juilliard to inform and develop his own music in the jazz world. Like, he saw yeah. that right off the bat at a super young age. And, I mean, right. 
it's Miles Davis. I mean, <laughs> it clearly, <laughs> it clearly worked, you know? <laughs> totally. So do you have any uh, advice for emerging artists right now? I mean, you've, you've come up in the opera world in a time that's very, very different from, you know, the people mm -hmm. that are even five years older than you are, um, right. who are singing, you know, you've, you've wandered through in a very different, a different path and the opera industry looks really different now compared to what it did when they were uh, kind of cutting their teeth on it. What advice mm -hmm. do you have for people that are coming up behind you in the opera world? Don't wait for permission to do anything. Mm. Don't wait for don't you don't need you know you don't need to throw those ideas about oh I mean I can't do this unless I get you know throw those permission slips away because yes. if you feel ready and if you have I mean one of the things you can talk about that's changed are social media platforms you know mm -hmm. be it Instagram TikTok whatever you can have a voice in ways in which like singers of the past you know, we're making records and doing things to get their voice out. Like you can start your own Spotify page and spend the money when you feel ready to put something out there, go get a recording done of like, I really want to record Venturize. Well then put it out there, put Do that it. stuff out there in the world. Like it's really not about, I mean, you know, for classical stuff is, I mean, if you're in it for the coins, you know, that's not, you know, <laughs> but when, I, when it comes to like recording stuff, you know, I mean, like when it's, I mean, I think that's one of the, the game changers for me is like, that really helped me. Like I, I put in money on a project and I just wanted to put out some art songs in the world and just, I, you know, recorded it in New York, shopped it around and uh, ended up going with this label, Odradek uh, Records on Europe somewhere. But like, they're really great and they helped me get my first like, solo album out um and it was you know i got got boost to my like spotify page and that just gave me a voice in mm -hmm. out there things that i were you know things that i recorded that i felt good enough to like put out there that i had time to like tinker and tailor with with when you when you um do that and you're aware of your um like what's out there socially when someone clicks your name in you can control that content and be like, I've got, you know, these songs on here or my Instagram has a, an aria on there. Like, you know, don't be afraid to make those things happen yourself and like be proactive mm -hmm. um, and um, not Cre waiting for those opportunities. Create, yeah, I was yeah. Like, create your own opportunity. Create yeah. your own opportunities. Um, you know, if you have an idea, you want to commission something or there's a story that has been told that you think that should be told, like you're the one that's going to make that change, you know. Yeah. No one, I mean, like, it's very rare that, you know, we all have the same, the exact same ideas, but someone down the line might have a similar idea to what you have. They decide to do it, and then their thing goes to, you know, like, if you have ideas, you know, don't, there's resources out there that can help you. There are things you can apply for when you have it really clearly in your mind what you want to do. Write, write that stuff all down and make a mission statement, make a whatever, you know, a thing that you could have when you apply for grants and stuff mm -hmm. to help get your idea off the ground. You want to commission this great composer that, you know, is out there. The worst that someone can do is say no. Right. That's it. It's like either you don't ask them and you never know what could be, whether it's a collaborator or, you know, a composer you want to work with, or you say you want to send your music off to some label. You don't know unless you try. Yeah. Um, and that's been one of the things with, you know, my art that's just like, after a while, I was just like, hey, I'm just going to put this stuff out there 
and you know and see if people are interested and great and if it is you know like great and that's an opportunity for me you know to continue growing in my career and if they don't want it then you know you just move on and keep yeah. it keep it going um so i would say that and the next thing i would say is don't limit yourself to just i mean if you're studying classical voice great get everything you can get out of it i, I realize that it's an art form in which that requires already so much focus and so many, you know, resources and money and time. But if you have other interests, don't be afraid to also do other things. And that's something that I, that I realize is different, you know, for the people that are like five years behind me that I would, you know, would say is like, we weren't, we were taught to all, you know, just stick with the classical voice. Like right. you can still be serious about opera and also be a visual artist and also compose and also be, do speech or voice acting, you know, like, and that's one of the things the pandemic taught us have several ways of, of making money. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Um, no matter what the case, no matter how well you're doing, like always, you know, if you have passions for other things, like don't be afraid to go down those, those avenues. You never really meet a musical theater person that's only does musical theater. Right. Like someone yeah. like Norm Lewis or, you know, Aj McDonald, they're doing multiple things, you know, like, so you know, the world is wide open, you know, like, don't be afraid to, you know, go down those roads if you if you have a passion to do other things, too. Yeah. Wise words, man. Wise words. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to, to do this interview. Yeah. It's been fantastic having you on. And um, I'm glad that it, it worked out timing wise. I'm glad you get like yeah. a little bit of breather time before your next thing. But you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so much fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Opera Biz podcast. You can find us online at operabiz.com, Instagram at operabiz, and Twitter at operabizpodcast. I'm your host, Daniel Welch.